0: We'll cut out all this in the beginning. Cool. Here looks great. Did you get a trim?
1: Uh, before the last trip, before in Alabama. <laughs> that was, yeah, about a week ago. Looks good. Yeah, yeah. Looks about the same as yours. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Alright, we'll get into it. Uh, three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome to Spotlight, a show where we shed some light on amazing people in the baseball community from coaches, players, entrepreneurs, and anyone in between. I'm your host, Josh Band. I'm the founder of Plate Crate, a monthly box of baseball gear. And our guest today is a super good friend of mine, Cameron Monger, uh, at Cameron Monger on Instagram. And um, he has a lot of awesome things for you guys today. Just to give you a little background about Cam, Um, He's from the Dallas area. He was originally drafted by the Padres, and he had a 10-year minor league career. A couple of those years, uh, or I guess one of those years, was spent doing yoga with me to stretch before Fort Worth Cats game. But he was drafted in 2009 by the Padres, and he played for the Padres, Kansas City, Oakland A's, Fort Worth Cats, Brockton Rocks, Worcester Tornadoes, Fort Worth Cats, again, Normal Corn Belters, Frontier Grays, Sioux Falls Canaries, Sussex County Miners, Grand Prairie Air Hogs, San Rafael, Pacifics, and Cleveland Railroaders. I think that's all of them. Um, but he's got a ton of baseball knowledge and mental coaching knowledge. He's a certified mental coach as well. And just all around good person and incredibly nice beard. So, Cam, welcome to the show. Thanks. <laughs> again. Here. Yeah. How'd you like that intro? That was great. That was long. Um, two breaths. It was it was long because you have uh, you've had such a crazy long career, um, but there's a million places we could get started. Um, just to give all the listeners and background a little bit of background between me and you, um, you're on the show for a million different reasons. Uh, one is that you're just a good friend of mine, um, and two, you're an all-around nice guy. Um, three, you have some really really interesting stuff going on on Instagram in your life, um, and four, you have a million things to teach kids. Um, from your you know awesome awesome career um, so I didn't know where to get started but I, f- I thought the a good place to start would just be um, you know maybe diving in to a little bit about how you got started with baseball giving some people your background and um, and then I have some some places we can branch out from there
1: yeah so uh, kind of exciting because I'm getting to revisit a lot of day one of playing as a kid um, I started in Arlington Southwest Little League. Um, so it's kind of part of my post-career uh, projects. I've got a little hitting facility here in Arlington, which is where I'm at right now. Um, and we just partnered with the Little League that I played with, um, or actually the two Arlington Leagues that I didn't play with. And then the, the third one, we'll see what happens there. But um, this is actually the first hitting facility I ever came to um, and it opened in 98. So I was, I think I came the year or two after it started. Um, but really the only reason why I wanted to play was cause my best friend, uh, from elementary school was playing. And that was the only time we weren't hanging out is we would hang out. We'd go jump across the Creek and catch crawdads and just be goofballs. <laughs> and then, uh, he would leave for practice and I would sit at the house and be like, well, I'm going to hang out with Michael some more. So, uh, you know mom being a mom said well when your next report card comes in we'll uh, we'll see about signing you up for fall ball or whatever it was and so i had to get the grades right and then uh signed up with little league and and that was uh that's how we got started
0: nice <laughs> and just to place you you're in you grew up in the Dallas area and it sounds like you grew up in the Dallas area cuz you just say crawdads and creek in the same sentence
1: <laughs> correct yeah
0: so i could tell you from home yourself bread. Yeah, and also I just saw you drinking coffee. Obviously, so we'll get yeah. into your coffee. Uh, I'm gonna call it passion. Some people call it addiction. Later, <laughs> um, but uh, so you had this. You had to start with baseball. Um, obviously, uh, it's super ingrained in how you grew up. And then you went to you know high school. You went to college. You end up get drafted. Getting drafted by the Padres. Maybe go into that a little bit. Um, I get tons of questions all the time. Um, uh, kids just want to know what it's like to get drafted. So we had Matt Antonelli, one of your former teammates, um, on the show last time. And we've obviously talked about Matt and kids just love to get to know what it's like to get drafted. So take us into kind of your draft
1: story and what that was like. Yeah. First off, Anto's the man. He was <laughs> my first pro roommate where I was like, oh, this guy's a God. He's, yeah. he's, he's a big leaguer. Um, So learned a ton from him 12 years ago. So um, just shout out to Matt. Uh, He's got so much good information and just really cares about kids. So, um, but my draft story, um, I didn't get to play a ton in my junior season in college. Um, And so back then was when they still had the draft and follow situation. Um, So the idea is get drafted, play summer ball, um, to kind of raise your stock a little bit and then negotiate from there. So uh, I was playing in the Jayhawk league the year before that uh, played against the liberal BJ's and Mike Hargrove, former big league manager managed that uh, with coach McSpadden who, who coached Juco ball out there for a long time. And obviously there's someone you want to learn from a former big league manager is pretty high up there. So um I told them next summer I'd come play for them, so I was out there. Uh, We were kind of going through preseason workouts, things like that, talking to a lot of teams, uh, just trying to figure out what to do. Uh, But the biggest thing back then was big league teams didn't want to waste picks on guys that weren't going to ultimately sign. Um, And so just a lot of big questions on, you know, are you signable? Are you going to go? Um, and I was, I was ready to go. So, you know, everyone I talked to said, if you pick me up, I'm coming. Um, and so I think back then it's dra- round one, two and three day one, and then like four to 30 after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was after practice, we were back at the host family's house, me and my two roommates, uh, Luke Kochaver's little brother. Um, who also former cat forward cat, uh, (laughs) late round pick. And, uh, so we're there. We, I got to get to the family's PC and, you know, get the internet rolling and just sitting there watching the ticker and watching the ticker and watching the ticker and watching the ticker and (laughs) and watching the ticker. Um, but yeah, eventually, uh, phone goes off and it was Dave, uh with the Padres and he said hey man I think we're about to grab you um and then pretty much as he was talking name kind of went across the ticker there and um man it's just such a surreal experience that I mean I can still picture everything that was on the desk and the you know the feel of the office that I was sitting in it's just kind of one of those life turning points where you know it's you're not gonna ever forget that so it was awesome
0: yeah, dude, that's such a cool story. I, honestly, I don't even know if I've ever asked you that before. It's kind of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just never knew that, but it's a it's a cool story for sure. Um, so then what happened? You get drafted, and then uh, they call you, and they're like, pack your bags. You're going here. You're going to go room with Matt Antonelli uh, for the Padres. Um, so kind of take us, take us through. Did you just pick up and leave your host family's house, pack a couple bags, pack some coffee, and go?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, actually, I can't even remember. I would assume... I went home. Um, I'm definitely not afraid of the road trip. So I would assume I went from Kansas to home, home to Arizona. Um, but it everything happened in a matter of two weeks, I want to say. Um, rookie ball is about 50 some odd games long. So it's not a super long season. Um, but yeah, you, you load up, you head out, you walk into the big league training facility and feel like you're walking on clouds and uh <laughs> meeting the manager meeting coaches training staff all that stuff and and then uh you're, you're playing games a week later so um, yeah. Antonelli was my spring training roommate so i didn't get to meet him for a couple of months but uh but yeah
0: nice cool so you you know everyone that gets drafted for the first time and they sign they just kind of get thrown in uh the mix right you go from playing either high school or college ball and then all of a sudden you're a professional baseball player uh you're the first part of your dream comes true the second part is obviously make it to the major leagues um and then it goes from there whatever but um but so i mean what what's the difference you know what i mean so you get to big league camp you're around professional baseball players and and i'm assuming they're acting for the most part like professionals but i mean what was the the big thing that stood out because you i mean you you've been a professional for so long uh, you know so many guys, and I, you know, if, if there's one guy I think of as a professional, when in terms of baseball, it's, it's you. So, I mean, what was the biggest difference you went, you saw from going from college and your college buddies and people treating it like college, and then going to, you know, to the pros? Is it, is it routine? Is it the way that they carry themselves, or is it just um, a different atmosphere altogether?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, so. You know, just kind of looking at my motivators for playing, obviously going back to wanting to just hang out with Michael Moore, I just I was a guy that just wanted to be on the team, right? Mm-hmm. So um, junior college, I played with a, a Tyler Ladendorf, who was a second-round pick. Um, got some big league time. Uh, that year I got drafted out of New Mexico. I was the last guy I picked up. There's tons of other good players on my team. And so I always was afraid <laughs> of getting outmatched when I would take that next step, like, so I just was hoping to get to college and I make it to college and I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm about to get my doors blown off, <laughs> and, you know, was able to hang there and, you know, same thing going up to pro ball. Um, there as far as like the separator or what, what did I realize? It was just that it, it was, it was relentless, right? So in college and in high school, you got plenty of days off. Um, and then mm-hmm. once you get to pro ball, it's, lather rinse repeat every single day of the week um so you know my my very first at bat uh base hit to the right side you know nice nice easy line drive and then i think i went over 10 with seven strikeouts right after that (laughs) um and it felt like though that over 10 was the very next day um Mm -hmm. and, and so just that the next game's coming mentality and the next guy that's getting on the bump is trying to do as well as you are and so there's no really time to relax uh, until you kind of figure that out and, and realize that it is a long season and it is easy to relax once you know that you know hey I, I belong here with the rest of these guys
0: yeah that's cool when did when did that switch kind of go off in your head right so you went you got a nice easy base hit you went 0 for 10 and I'm assuming you might be a panic mode because if you're in college you're like oh I'm not going to get another AB for another four or five days uh just because there's there's a lot less games if you had a Saturday game you're not going to get another one till like Tuesday Thursday or Friday um when did you kind of just relax and say oh I have tons of time tons of games I'm good I belong here did someone give you advice or did it did it just kind of come naturally
1: yeah no it definitely didn't come naturally it was <laughs> thankfully uh plenty of coaches in pro ball understand what it was like um, because they probably were going through the same things when they played or things like that so I had a a good amount of coaches um, all throughout my career that you know we either see see a player scuffling or see myself scuffling and just give you that reminder hey man you're a pro you know we believe in you don't worry about one at bat just go out there and, and, and keep keep working hard it was actually Uh, the pitching coach when I was with the Royals um, that we had a a lot of guys get hurt and I went from kind of being a an afterthought to maybe being a three four hole guy Um, and then that's when I struggled because I was trying too hard right Mm. Um, and and he he kind of picked me out during uh, batting practice um, and, and talked to me for a little while and said hey man you're you're never going to single-handedly win a baseball game so yeah. quit trying <laughs> so uh he was he was super old school and and tough but the message behind it was was strong and and uh definitely obviously i remember it to today
0: nice yeah you actually you said something really interesting there um which i think usually gets a little overlooked um your coach said you know you're a pro and uh and i think you know you being a pro i mean obviously you're getting paid to play baseball you're, you're a pro but he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the mentality from behind being a pro, right? So you you don't have to be a professional baseball player to act like a professional baseball player, I guess, right? And I guess the people in college that I really admired and that I looked up to, they, in a sense, in college acted like they were a pro. So what do you think that mentality is? And I know I know it's changed from the, the day you stepped on a field for your first major league game until 10 years later when... You know, you already had 10 years of experience, so maybe take us into um, now after playing for 10 years, you know, what what's your advice on on being a pro? And that doesn't have to be baseball, that could be business, that could be um, schoolwork, that could be anything, you know, what what's the mentality behind that?
1: Yeah, awesome question. I love the correlation of being a pro on and off the field. Um, for me, the biggest thing on being a pro is you're trying to earn respect as opposed to playing time. Um, so regardless of how good you are or your personality or if your coach likes you or doesn't like you or boss or whatever, if you go out there and consistently do your job and you work hard and you're honest and you do all these things and you earn the respect of your, your boss or your coach or your teammates, um, that to me is being professional um, because there's plenty of pros on every single big league roster, Right. Um, you know, I know you guys are, are Red Sox fans out there in the Northeast, <laughs> but I bet you there's a lot of Red Sox fans that can't name all 25 guys on the roster. But all 25 Man. of those guys are pros, and, I, and mm-hmm. for the most part, those guys have earned the respect of their teammates and their coaches because even though they're not getting the multi-million dollar contracts and, and the limelight and things like that, they're showing up just like all those other guys do, and they're putting in the same amount of work. And I think it's about earning the respect versus earning playing time. Yeah, dude,
0: that's a great answer. And to, to kind of piggyback on that answer, when I think of my very short time playing, <laughs> uh, most of it, a lot of it was with you on a field. And the, the person that I learned right away how to conduct myself on a field was from you, right? So uh, I can never tell if you were angry or upset, you're very even keeled already. Um, you were definitely passionate, so I think sometimes. Um, do you still hear me? <laughs> Sorry,
1: I think phone some- call. Oh no, you're you good. Up. You're blown up.
0: <laughs> I think sometimes people confuse um, passionate for being kind of like eccentric and excited. You were passionate, but you were always, always, always even keel. So when I didn't know how to how to act or react to something, I was like, I was like, what what, what would Cam do right now? And it's and I would literally think. Um, you know, it's, it w- would, and same thing you said, would Cam respect me if I if I acted out in a certain way or if I reacted to someone in a certain situation? So having guys on my team, you know, like you really kind of paved the way, and I, I, for me at least, and I know you had those guys too, but, um, you know, whenever I needed kind of a little bit of guidance and not even something that I would ask straightforward, like, hey, what do I do in this situation, this situation, I would just kind of follow suit. This is how you warm up for games. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. Um, this is how you react to a certain situation. This is what happens when you're in a slump. And, uh, and just kind of modeling myself after people like that. And you were definitely the first person um, that I modeled myself after. Because uh, I was a brand new, fresh, fresh rookie. <laughs> had no idea what was going on. So, um, so that was fun. But uh, yeah, I think that was a great answer and super insightful for everybody, whether they're in Little League, whether they're in high school. Um, I think taking that mentality and earning the respect And another thing you said is being a good teammate. I mean, can you speak, I think this is super, super important. Can you speak to what being a good teammate is? I don't think people prioritize it enough. I don't think people understand what it means to be a good teammate. And I don't think people understand the effect it has on everybody and being a good leader. So can you just speak to, as a great
1: teammate, how to be a good teammate and what going to be a good teammate is? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, I think as far as looking at the best teammates that I've had in the past and some common characteristics. Um, one is that person's probably an accountability friend or an accountability partner. Um, getting to know your teammates on a more personal level because it is more, more than just baseball. Um, you know, some of these people, like we're on this podcast together because we're good friends, um, but also because we are good teammates to each other. Um, And we got to know each other outside of baseball and understand the direction that we want to go. And baseball is a high leverage, emotionally intense uh, competition. So having those guys there who know, hey, uh, when Cam chases a bad pitch, he really needs to reset and focus on the next pitch. So Mm. having that teammate that's in the dugout that sees that and can catch you and holler at you or whatever, or talk to you after an at bat or cool you down after an error. Um, so having that friend or that teammate that knows what your triggers are, um, I think is is super important. Um, and then just genuinely caring about, you know, the well-being of the team through each individual. Um, so just knowing that they fall super hard. Uh, it's it's a, <laughs> a tough game to play, and. But confidence and and being positive is what most good teams are doing. So just knowing that, hey, if I continue to pick my my teammates up, um, that's going to have an impact on them, whether they know it or not. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, patting them on the back might seem like a little thing, or you know, telling them nice swing or, or whatever it is. All those little things add up when you're battling against a game that tries to beat you up all the time. So um, for me, just you know keeping my teammates accountable for what they say they want to do, whether it's practice early, uh, extra swings, uh, approach, things like that. And then just being positive.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. And, uh, and it does have such a big effect when, I mean, I, I think I would notice it more when someone's negative, it just brings everybody down and people kind of latch onto that. But fortunately the same thing's true when people are positive, you're in like a tough streak um you know you you might be in a slump or your team might be losing a couple games and and there is one guy that still has so much energy and that's still bringing energy to the field still being positive still being optimistic um and it, I can just think of every team I've ever played on and who that person is and how big of an effect because it can really change the swing of things so i mean you know it, it it only takes one guy to be a good teammate right to kind of change the way that the the whole team's mindset is and i've I've been on those and so have you, on those toxic teams where there's one guy that is just super confrontational and and it just kinda of brings everybody down. And those are not only teams that I don't think ever did well, um, but teams that I never had fun on, you know. So uh at the end of the day the the teams that I had the most fun on were were around positive people and we just happened to be winning because we were around guys that we enjoyed being around. So uh that's really good and I I, I really want everyone to hear that and, and uh and listen to what it means to be a good teammate because I just don't think people prioritize it I'm not saying kids I hate when people pander to, to just kids I don't think most people um really dive into they say how can I get my swing better how can I change my mechanics how can I throw harder and no one really dives into how can I just be the best teammate on the team bring my team up every day I don't think people put enough value on that um yeah, what's what's uh, Go ahead.
1: There's no there's no metric for good vibes, right? So it's <laughs> tough to it's tough to put put attention and effort into that. Yeah, I love good vibes. Red Sox good vibes coach, they have one. He basically they do. just travels around to all the minor league clubs and plays cards and tells jokes because that is a real thing.
0: <laughs> what are what's what are three ways and if you want to stop at two, that's fine. That someone could just go be a good teammate right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, have a conversation, right? Um, just talk to a teammate, talk to a friend, uh, ask a question, see what they're working on um, is is always a good one. Thinking thinking about what each of your teammates does well so that you have something positive to say about them Um so, you know, whether you're in little league or high school or college or whatever, we're all going to have our pieces of our game that we're working on, but we probably have something that we just are naturally gifted at. Um, so thinking about what, you know, what does Josh do really well and having that in the front of your mind will make it easier to stay positive and, and encourage them um, to, to keep working hard. So um, you said I could stop it too. So I'm stopping it too right there. <laughs>
0: I gave you an out. I, sh- I never should have given you an out. Um, <laughs> no, I like that. And those are those are tacti- tactical and they're actionable so I hope people kind of heed that advice and actually go have that conversation. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're p- probably playing baseball or interested in baseball and you want to learn something tactical you can bring back with you to the field something that you can learn and uh, and I think those are two great ways to do it and something that you should really, really prioritize um, you could have the worst swing on the team. You could be a great teammate and make a significant difference on uh, on everybody. So um, that was a great answer. Good job. Yeah, golf club. 100%. <laughs> um, cool. I want to uh, not switch gears. I still kind of want to keep thinking deeply about, you know, why you had such a long career. I mean, 10 years is a long career. Um, and I'd love to know kind of the, the, the switches that happened throughout your career. So... Um, you know, you started with the Padres, you ended in Cleburn. Um, what is one thing you've changed your mind on um, you know, from from your 10-year career, from the first day to to the last day?
1: Yeah. Um a lot plenty of times changed my mind on things. <laughs> uh, cuz you never know what the right answer is a lot of times, but um <clears throat> you know, one thing was swing style and swing approach. Uh but even think back up from there is is just the transition from I'm going to do whatever I think my coach wants me to do or whatever he's telling me to do to I'm going to figure out baseball on my own and understand what I believe in and I'm going to work on that uh, because it's so much easier to do that than to try and figure out what's going on in Uh, your coach's head or your coordinator's head or the GM's head because ultimately those people also get fired and traded and moved around so um, you know I think for a a big part of my career starting from you know little league to last season um, I spent a lot of time trying to do what I thought would get me in the lineup Um, whatever it was whether it was steel bases whether it was bunts whether it was you know swing for the fences um you know and so i was kind of a chameleon like player uh, because i just wanted to play and it's really tough to then outside of the games work on those things that you don't really understand what you're doing right you know i'm, I'm trying to hit homers oh, cool that's sounds <laughs> fine but how do you do how do you work on that versus understanding the the battle of pitch sequences and understanding how hitting the ball hard or creating force and you know all the all the technical stuff Mm -hmm. um i could have started learning that much earlier in my career and been a better hitter earlier in my career um versus you know that that transition happened maybe halfway through the, the the pro tenure so to speak so um really just becoming a, an honest student of the game and, and continuing to learn about the game and what I think I should be doing instead of what other people think I should be doing. I think it was a huge, huge inflection point um, in my career and and helped not only with performance, um, but also just with enjoying the game. And, you know, I've said it a couple of times, but, it, you know, you got you to... Gotta, it's more than baseball. You got to enjoy what you're doing. Um, and, and if you are curious or you're passionate about what you're learning about, you're going to do a better job at it.
0: Yeah, that's great. And it it, it definitely leads me to two questions. Um, I guess the first one's more of a comment. So uh, I asked Matt, your old teammate, same question, and he said the exact same thing. So he said, you're your own hitting coach. You need to be your own best hitting coach. And you're basically saying the same thing is, um, you know, you got yourself. To where you are. Of course, you had help along the way. You had good coaches and mentors, but um, you know, ultimately, it's it's you putting in the work. It's you feeling every swing. It's you. No one's no one's ever going to be with you a hundred percent of the time, right? I, honestly, you might have told me that one time, <laughs> um, but uh, but no one's ever with you a hundred percent of the time. No one knows you like you know you. So I think that's that's super important advice. Um, and then you said one other thing, which I thought was really cool. Halfway through your career. Um, you started to learn hitting, and I want to just dig into that. I mean, it was one of the questions that I definitely wanted to talk about. You're someone who really, really changed how I looked at hitting, and this wouldn't be a podcast between me and you if we didn't give Michael Parr a shout out. So, yes. <laughs> um, so Yeah, so I um, I want to give like a quick background just so people can understand. Um, you know. I was very, very, very dogmatic in my thinking, down to the ball, backspin, squish the bug, all of these things that I know we're getting away from, and I know it's um, you know it's becoming ancient the way that we're talking about this, but that's how I grew up. That's how you grew up. We didn't grow up with all of the video technology, we didn't grow up with Instagram, we didn't grow up with this stuff. So I mean, I looked at pictures in like a booklet of like move on at like point of contact. <laughs> and um and hitting's changed so much And i was completely dogmatic that i knew how to hit but that being said i couldn't hit <laughs> so it was really it was kind of like a like this weird thing i was trying to get really 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 good at doing something the wrong way and you were one of the people that really changed the way that i looked at hitting that i approached hitting um and working with you and, and Pear and, and florence just in the cages like that was the most learning i've ever done in like three weeks I mean it changed my whole perspective so um, number one I want people to know that just don't be dogmatic about anything don't don't believe in something so much that no one can change your mind allow people to change your mind allow them to to open up to you because that's what you did and then kind of my question for you is what happened halfway through your career what were you like before what did you learn and, and 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 how did you implement that
1: Yeah. So I'll for sure talk about the hitting transitions, but also to sometimes these conversations lead to another problem, uh, for, I think a lot of younger hitters. And so what I, what I don't want to have happen is people be afraid of just hitting the wrong way and Mm -hmm. it's okay. Um, (laughs) Because there's so much information out there, I think a lot of times we get caught up in I have to train the perfect way mm-hmm. um, instead of just training. Um, because, you know, you can look at it two different ways, right? Uh, I could have figured out hitting sooner, cool, but maybe the struggles taught me how to have a better approach. Mm-hmm. Or also, I played pro ball for five years swinging away that I don't believe in now, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty good baseball career. I think a lot of people listening would sign a contract to do that right now. Um, And so even though I I eventually learned more about my swing and and I'm more confident in what I was doing on the back end of my career, I, I don't want kids and coaches and parents or whatever to discourage work ever because mm-hmm. that's ultimately what's going to be the teacher um, but the, where the encouragement needs to be is what I figured out five years later was learning and asking my own self questions and asking other people questions um, so where where my swing changed um, was I was in Affiliated Baseball then I was out of Affiliated Baseball um, for a couple of years and I was trying to figure out okay if I'm not progressing in my career, then there's probably something I need to do differently. Um, so either fortunate or unfortunate, um, I played with a guy named Chris Colabello in 2011. Um, someone that I, that you know, uh, and we <laughs> hung out in the locker room, didn't even know it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's Bobby, funny. Bobby Tewksbury is his hitting coach. Mm -hmm. Um, who's, he's now super famous for working with Donaldson and and guys like that. But before then he was, he was Chris's guy and, and he has a a pretty cool ebook. Um, but just working with him and consuming all this information that I'd never seen before, uh, just forced me to reevaluate everything. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that was the thing you were saying about being dogmatic about your style is you, you can't do that because there's so much information out there and there's so many different things that you can try or do and they're not not—they're not all going to work um, there's plenty of drills that I did and I did them for one day and said I don't like this at all um, this is making me do worse things and, and you move on to something else but you have to work and you have to try it and you have to consider it and continue to learn and, and develop even when you're 25, 15, 10. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always something to learn and, and develop and to get better at. But, um, yeah, swing. So swing style, I think similar um, as far as the thought process of swinging down. Um, you know, I had a, a linear hitting coach in college, which taught me a lot of things um, really well. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, working with Tukes and Chris and Michael Pair and even yourself, just... Having those conversations with another person helps you to flesh out, you know, is what I'm doing right, or do I really understand what I'm talking about, or do I really mm-hmm. understand what I'm working on? Uh, beyond hitting, the, the pitching side of development and what the right things to do are and aren't is a whole n- another ballpark too. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't understand what you're working on, how can you be sure that you're getting better? Uh, so. That's what I think changed at that point in my career hitting-wise was I understood what I wanted to get out of my training and then connected the dots between where I wanted to go and the stuff I was doing to get there.
0: Yeah, cool. And I I love that because it's such a systematic approach to getting better, right? Um, I think it's sometimes really hard for people to understand I'm I'm here and I want to be here. But what are the steps in between, and and you kind of answered that question, and I want to dive into it a little bit more. Is you said I kept asking questions, I kept asking questions, and I those are the steps in between. You're asking yourself these questions um, to get to where you want to go. You're asking Chris Colabello these questions and Took's and and Pear and all these people that you're hitting with. Um, what were some of those questions? You know what I mean? Mechanically, what were some of those questions, um, and you know, it, any of those questions that helped you get from point A to point B? Because you you are very systematic in your approach, and I think this is going to really help a lot of people out to say that you don't just go from point A to point B overnight. It's a it's a process, and it's a process that's cultivated by asking questions. Um, sometimes the wrong questions, sometimes the right questions, but, you know,
1: if you could speak to that, that'd be great. Yeah, well, so um, just for anyone that doesn't know, Chris Calabello is a, a MLB hitter, he, and he, he was on the time. He was either... You know when we talked a ton um either leading double a and homers or triple a and homers or getting called up to the blue jays um but we we would uh hang out in the hotel room and and talk for three hours straight after a game and uh you know i what i always try to do is gain someone else's perspective because i know how i see everything pretty mm-hmm. clearly um but there's plenty of other players and coaches out there that know more than I do that are better than I am. And they view the world as a whole differently. Um, so just asking Chris, especially, uh, was really good at this to just take me through his at bats because he would remember everything. Um, (laughs) it was incredible. And, you know, yeah, at the big league level, you've got more information, Um, that a little league kid or a select playing kid's not going to have as far as he throws this slider 87% of the time in a 1-1 count. Um, But knowing that that's kind of the direction that you need to be going is, is a lesson in itself that, okay, if I don't have the data Behind, I know what pitch is coming. I, I can't sit slider one one in my league or in high school or in college. Um, so then, so then, if I don't know what pitch is coming, what do you sit on? And then, you know, letting that player expand on that. And I think the biggest thing is just understanding, understanding that what works for one player is not might not work for you. Mm-hmm. But if you have another perspective, you can then. Change your mind when things don't work out for you. Right. Um, so, you, we could talk hitting, and I could say, uh, you know, oh, oh, count, I'm looking fastball down and in to hit for a homer. Right. And then you could say, well, oh, oh, count, I'm hitting leadoff. So, I'm looking for a fastball out over the plate that I can hit the other way. And then I, now that we have that conversation, I've got this frame of reference of, okay, this is what I'm doing, this is what he's doing. Now, a week later, a week goes by, you're three for four in your leadoff at-bats with three singles, and I've taken four fastballs on the outer half for strike Mm -hmm. one because no one's going to throw me a cookie fastball, pitch one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So then now you have something to work off of. So um, I don't think I gave you any specific questions, kind of like you were saying, but hopefully that all makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think... I think you kind of did. I mean, you're you're basically going back over the game, um, and then I think questions kind of pose themselves, right? So it's kind of hard because all the questions you were asking were very specific to you at that particular time. You know what right. I mean? So you did give me one question that you asked back in the in, in that time. Um, you know, questions that I felt. Like I used to ask is why are you doing that, <laughs> like <Yes>. and um, <laughs> so and I remember being in uh, you know the Florence. why is a good question yeah why why because um, not only do not enough hitting coaches um, explain why they just say this is the drill hit a basketball off the tee it helps your forearm strength uh, I which is probably my worst I hate that drill so much um, but they just don't explain why and I think anyone. Um, should be able to ask their coach or their hitting coach why and their hitting coach or their coach or, or GM or whoever should compassionately be able to, to explain why and if they can't explain why then maybe they should ask someone why or they should kind of dig in and I think why is a really good starting point and, uh, and honestly it, it, that and I just thought of why because it changed um, when I was talking about we were in Florence, Kentucky and I saw Michael Perry doing his high T drill with all these like bands attached to them. And I go, why? <laughs> I go, why are you doing that? And he was like, you hit like, like this and he was swinging straight up over the tee. And I was like, no man, that's not how you hit. That's not how I was taught to hit. That's not how you hit. And he's like, no, 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 this is how you hit. Just, you know, hear me out. I, I go, okay, why are you doing that? And he started to explain to me swing path and all this. And I remember that day, cause it was such a weird drill. You know what I mean? And I worked in batting cages my whole life like learning from these people I've never seen this drill and I just said why are you doing that instead of saying you know what are you doing um and he explained it to me and it just made so much sense and then I went down that rabbit hole with you and him and just talking hitting all the time um and it completely changed my perspective and I I think that some some hitting coaches take offense to why um which I really don't like or understand some coaches take offense to why uh and they just say don't question me you know what i mean and I, and that's where i think my dogmatic approach to hitting and and everything came from is i never i never once asked why i just said someone uh older than me or more experienced than me is teaching me something don't ask why just do it and that can, you know to come full circle that leads back around to exactly what you were saying earlier you have to be your own best hitting coach you have to be your own um you know your own coach you have to you have to do everything for yourself and and, and self evaluate
1: so um, and the best way little, to do that is yeah. just try different things. Right. So even if, you know, you see some guy in the cage doing some goofy thing, you say, why and you still don't even understand what that person's telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think it's wrong to still try that stuff. Uh, cause that way, again, you have some sort of understanding of how does this feel? Was this good? What's this bad? And then go from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And at least it's, it's, it's a starting point. Um, I think people just get stuck and they don't know where to go or who to ask or what to do um, so maybe that's a good starting point for people um, I do <laughs> I literally I feel like we could talk we could talk all day and I have I have a lot more don't worry um, but I'm like I keep going back because you keep saying interesting things that you you pass over that um, that I really want people to understand because I know that you understand it so deeply and uh, you talked about this maybe like like five or 10 minutes ago, Um, you said, I wouldn't, you know, you played five years with that old swing that now you don't even believe in. And you said that that was a really important experience for you. And, and, you know, you doing that actually led you to a place. Um, We both read a book called The Obstacle is the Way. That's exactly what it is. You're a very, you know, you're definitely a believer in that, obviously. And you explain it, um, you explained it well in terms of your baseball career, but could you go into kind of what that means? Because I think that's such an important thing. And, uh, and I do want to talk books uh, because I want kids to realize that you don't just make things up. You study really hard. You're constantly learning. We're, we have these conversations without a microphone in front of us all the time. Um, so could you speak to not just Ryan Holiday's book, The is Away, but kind of maybe what that means to you and how we could kind of put it in baseball terms?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, also, I already pre-ordered my book, so hopefully you did too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, it's easy to look back and say, oh, I was doing this wrong all along, right, and, and just be annoyed with it or whatever. Um, but when you're playing a game that's full of failure, wouldn't it be nice to make all of the failure a positive experience for you instead of, uh, oh, well, I'm just trying to succeed three out of 10 times. Um, So, you know, I had five years of at-bats of trying to be a leadoff hitter, so to speak, or the old school leadoff hitter of get on top of the ball, hit it in the four hole, um, get base hits, whatever. Um, And then actually, you know, part of a, a turning point was again, late night conversations in the hotel after a game, you know, and one of my teammates to me and uh Joe Rapp made the all-star team, which was surprising because I hit three hundred with none homers and he hit like <laughs>
0: you
1: know two seventy with eight at you know yeah. halfway through the season or whatever it was. And the discussion between the five or six guys in there was, you know, which player would you rather have? And, and, you know, undoubtedly you want the guy that's putting runs on the board, um, because, you know, hitting 300 is great, but it doesn't always lead to run production. Um, and when you look at the root of the game, the guys that touch home plate the most win the game and that's what you want. So, um, But I had the experiences of being a leadoff style, get on top hitter as my now frame of reference against when I changed my swing style to, hey, hitting doubles and hitting balls over the fence is so much better <laughs> than <laughs> being a single. Like, you know, it was cool that I could steal bases and stuff like that. But, um, you know, when you when you have something to go off of, uh, you know, to tie our friend Michael Pear back in, we had this conversation a lot because, uh, you know, this past year I was fortunate enough to play with Rafael Palmero as my, as my locker mate and uh, as my teammate and my locker buddy. And talking, hitting with him is awesome because he has such a fine tuned approach because he had more played experiences in his career than the rest of our team did combined <laughs> by a lot. Yeah, Um, insane. And so that was great to talk to him about. But talking hitting mechanics and things like that, uh, you know, Michael Pear and I would argue with him because it's like, okay, Rafi, you've never been bad, right? Like, you've never had to fix your swing. You literally were born (laughs) and had a perfect, pure left handed swing and you hit over 500 homers. Like, you know, not not saying that he didn't work because I've seen him again, being a pro and, you know, showing up and working on his craft. But, um, you know, some people have to work on totally different things. Some people have to work on lower half. Some people have to work on hand-eye coordination. Some people have to work on uh, mobility, right, being able to even get into the right positions to begin with. Um, So, you know, yes, looking back, maybe – my career is different or maybe my path is different if I learn things faster or if I was told things at a different time or whatever. Um, but the the struggles that you work through and the key is working through it, you have to keep working no matter what, um, is, is what will then allow you to, when you find something that's a better option, to then say this is a better option because this is where I was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think it's just such... I wouldn't even say an optimistic view of looking at things, I think it's a necessary view of looking at things. Um, Because yeah, you could have learned that five years before, but you didn't and you never would have got to that point in your career if you didn't have some type of struggle. Um, And it is kind of funny, because remember that like the video with A-Rod came out and he's like, this is how you hit, and people just went. Crazy. They're like, and then they yeah. showed the videos of him, and he had like this perfect, yeah, yeah. this perfect like bat path and swing, and and he's showing people like you got to go right down to the ball, even though that's not what he was doing. And um, it is crazy because he thinks one thing, and his body does something different. And he's never had to break down mechanics um, the same way other people do. And I think once again, it goes back to to being your own coach and, and dissecting. But uh, I think what you just said, just to just to reiterate, because it was absolutely perfect. Um, you know, you do need to go through those those trials uh to get to a place where you wanna be. So um I, I guess the lesson in that would just be keep going and and keep reevaluating yourself like like you keep telling people. So that was good. I'll give you another another golf clap on that one. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. I'll take it all. Um sweet man. So I wanna I wanna I wanna go into kind of uh I wouldn't say your personal life, but but I do want to go back to what we said about about books and how much you study, what you're learning. Obviously, I mean, it's not obvious to me. It's obvious because I know who you are. Um, it had such a big impact on your baseball career, um, and you know, it can be. It can sound very cheesy. Oh, the mental game of baseball. It's it's ninety percent mental. That doesn't mean anything without context. That doesn't mean anything without seeing someone who is actually doing it. So, um, you know, I. I know you're very humble, I I just don't want you to be for a second. I want you to tell people, you know, you do work very hard at learning new skills, learning things that put you out of your comfort zone, at trying things, at exploring different parts of the country, and I know you work really hard on, uh, you know, your mentality, not just mental toughness, but, but, you know, you have a shirt from WarStick that says gratitude, which is an awesome, awesome shirt. And, you know, you have all these things to be a good person and a kind person um, to live a happy life that just happened to have a great effect on your baseball career. So could you just tell us, you know, maybe even the start of that, you know, what made you start reading books? Was it always like that? Um, What made you start studying and why do you continually try to get better every single day at what you're doing? And and to, you know, after you're done with that, let's dig into a couple of your favorite books and why.
1: Yeah, sure. So, it seems to be a common theme here of doing things what I now think is the right way after <laughs> not doing things that way. Um, yeah. So, you know, at, as a, a young lad, as a as a little kid in Weatherford, Texas, I hated reading in school, um, and I always felt like it was a waste of time because um, it was slow and boring, or you know whatever it is. Um, and now I've probably Gone back and actually read all the required reading material <laughs> from Texas schools because it's they're good they're good books to begin with. Um but you know part of it is I'm very lucky and fortunate enough to have played for 10 years. Uh because part of the journey and the process is hundred percent just showing up. Um, a lot of this stuff I figured out at some point along the way. And I don't know if I would have learned these things or if I would still be on the path that I'm on. If I just decided this is too hard, I'm going to hang it up. Or I don't, maybe I just didn't like baseball anymore that that can happen too. Um, but none, none of these, you know, life transitions happened in year one. Um, it was just a, a part of, continue to show up and continue to be curious, um, which I guess I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but I, I realized that again, it's another common theme is to cultivate perspective. Um, and I think it's super huge to do, um, and reading other people's stories, reading other people's ideas, uh, forcing yourself to think, Uh, for yourself, and to to understand what you really believe in, um, and and find some clarity around what you're doing. Um, You know, like you said, the the, the mental game is kind of this arbitrary cloud, and what does it really mean? And um, But, you know, there's tons of practices out there about visualization, and, you know, if you can see the perfect swing, you can have the perfect swing, and things like that. Uh, But the same thing applies to anything else in your life. If you have clarity around where you want to go, what you want to do, what you want to have, what you don't want to have—that um, clarity will allow you to have that. But if you, if you, if you're not comparing and contrasting things, if you're not learning uh, new ways to swing or throw or train or work or have a conversation or have relationships or whatever it is, then it's tough to have clarity, right? Because then you are that coach that we don't like, that we say, hey, why do you coach like that? And they just say, well, a, I've always done it, <laughs> right? Because yeah. they haven't mm-hmm. ever challenged, they haven't challenged their experience with another idea that is contrary to what they're doing. Um, there's plenty of people, like talking about the A-Rods and the, the great hitters of all time, if, if they looked at some other hitting drills, they'd be like, well, this doesn't work. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. Your swing's great, so just keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but you're you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be great at everything. You're not going to have that ability to be be the best at everything. So to to not continue to consume knowledge and information, especially in the world that we're in today, is is irresponsible, right? Um, so you know that's. That's kind of why I continue to learn because why not? Like, what's, what's the other option, you know? <laughs> um, so, so I think it's super important to, um, you know, continue to learn, but also going back to, to passions and things like that. It's so much, so much easier to learn about passions than uh, things that you could care less about, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to training and things like that. Sports psychology is super interesting to me, so I can read that, you know, for a whole day. Versus, you know, strength and conditioning stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it's cool, and yes, it's super important. Um, but I can't geek out about that like I can what's going on in your head when you're trying to hit a fastball.
0: Yeah. Um, there's like a million ways I want to go right now. <laughs> um, one of them, I want to dig into mental training coach um you've done tons and tons of research into this um, you're you you did not just pick up a book and uh read the the Daniel Coyle coil book or whatever and say i'm a mental you know certified coach whatever you definitely read more sports psychology books and research than anyone anyone else i know and not only that but you have the experience To contextualize it and say oh this would have been helpful at this stage of my career as opposed to some doctor sitting on a table that has all these degrees and um, which is great too but but to combine your experience with that knowledge is a superpower so I think um, I I definitely want to dive into that I think the first thing that I want to ask you is is you said you're curious you're definitely curious Um, why why Or where or when or how anyone you choose where did where did you begin to be curious and how did you approach that
1: yeah so I think I think it was the year actually we kind of started playing together Um, you know I I was a couple years in at this point and you figure out like okay cool I'm 6'1 220 fast strong throw the ball 95 like like you check all the boxes there so it's like what's what's the problem um i checked none of those boxes
0: by the way (laughs) i didn't check one of those not even close
1: (laughs) great teammate great teammate (laughs) um but you know you you i think it's human nature to want to always have more or be better or continue to progress Um, and so the learning about mental performance was pretty new then. I mean, it's, it's, it's still, I mean, it's mental health, all these, these trends. Um, it, as I go to learn about it and as light bulbs continue to just keep going off, ding, 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 right. You, now that I was able to learn about what, you know, what's going on when I'm in the (laughs) box, why do sometimes my legs feel numb or, you know, whatever. Why, why do I walk back to the dugout after a six pitch at bat? And I don't even know what happened. Um, you know, then you can read research studies and experiences and things like that, that explain it to you. And then when you have a better understanding of something, uh, you can then start to work at it you can start to nibble away at okay you know the yips are a real thing this is the problem with it this is the way to get better at it um whatever so so that really started in 2012 and it's just uh i haven't exhausted my curiosity there's just so much out there um and you know the reality is we're social creatures we are driven off of emotions whether we like it or not it's easy to try to be you know that ideal big leaguer who's always you know even keeled and never spikes their stuff and never gets upset but that's just not reality so um i just know that there's a ton of really good physical coaches out there from swings to pitching to defense to hitting um and so for me I enjoy interacting with people and I enjoy helping people overcome their mental issues. Um, not that they're a negative thing about them, but just you have mental issues just like you have physical issues. You have, you know, some people get too hyped, some people can't get hyped enough, or, you know, whatever it is. And so it's always a unique problem, which, you know, for someone that is maybe all over the place, you know, thought process-wise, it's it's nice to, you know, you and I can talk about what we struggled with, and then, you know, some kid can walk in here and it might be totally different. Um, but it's also an unmeasurable thing, so it's it's tough to define. Um, so I I really like that challenge, of trying to figure out what, how do we, how do we turn mental skills into something that I can digest and something that you know, kids can start to work on much earlier than now all the big league clubs have mental skills directors and maybe there's two or three people on staff. So that trend should be pretty loud and clear that it's a real thing and it does have an impact. Um, but also too, the more I learn about childhood development and things like that, like, you know, this thirteen to twenty window of, of your development is so huge for how you then continue continue down the path of your life so um you know it's again as you can tell just kind of i could talk and talk and talk about this stuff for 20 more minutes but i'm gonna wrap it up but <laughs> honestly
0: you don't you don't have to wrap it up i got all day there's no time limit on this i mean i can't put it on youtube because it's over an hour but other than that yeah i i would love to get into it a lot of the people listening are between 13 and 20 why is that such an important window
1: yeah so you know, looking at kind of that, that 13, uh, cutoff point, um, pre pre 13 is what am I good at? So that's why your youth coaches are super important to make sure they're positive. Right? So you, you can have kids try something new at 10, 11, 12. And if they think they're not very good and they get feedback from a parent or a coach that, they're not very good. They're just going to quit and they're going to be done with it. And then from 13 to 18 or 13 to 20 is such a huge time for the brain still developing, right? We have some of the slowest developing brains out there. And if, if we can't figure out kind of where we belong or, you know, what we're passionate about or things like that, uh, it, it, it really closes a lot of doors after the fact. Um, you know, again, super fortunate to just have some good, um, you know, parents and coaches in my life that, again, I think it's a common parent thing, but, you know, you, you'll thank me one day. But, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> they were right about, about some of that stuff. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a super huge window in development of do I keep going down this path or do I shut down, do I give up um, and then just kind of fall into the tracks of, of society or whatever you want to call it? Yeah,
0: no, it reminds me of, uh, of self-fulfilling prophecies. So, I mean, that sounds kind of like mystic, but um, I was a psychology major. That's what I got my bachelor's degree in. And the one thing that stood out is exactly what you just said. There was, there was a study where the psychologists um, had all these kids take the teacher or take the test in fifth grade right and this is completely applicable all these kids took the tests and then the psychologist took the test they threw them in the garbage and they just randomly selected you know three or four kids told the teachers hey these people really outperformed everyone else and I'm and I know you're familiar with this study um, and then what happened was the teachers viewed those you know three or four kids in a completely different way they gave them extra attention um, they gave them more encouragement, they answered their questions more efficiently, they treated them more like adults. And then at the end of the year, um, those teachers actually gave those kids much higher grades than the other, like a lot higher. Um, and the kids were no more smart, no less smart than anyone else in the class. And I that has always stuck with me, how important it is for coaches to, um, to give people, not, not necessarily equal feedback, but, individual feedback, and that was that was right what you were saying, and, and I feel like that is the age period, 10 to 20 years old. Um, that's when you kind of form these opinions about yourself, and if you form the opinion that you're a really good baseball player, and then everyone around you tells you're a really good baseball player, you go, cool, what do good baseball players do? They practice. What do good baseball players do? They study. What do good baseball players do? They, they exercise. And then you go down that rabbit hole, and then it, it starts to kind of compound. Um, and then vice versa, exactly what you just said. If, if you get the feedback, you have one bad game, someone tells you you, you, you know, you're horrible at baseball, you say, maybe I am horrible at baseball, and then you do what horrible play, baseball players do, that you go out with your friends and you don't practice, and I think that's, like, a super good point. I think that's a great point for people not only 10 to 20 years old, but but kind of everybody. Um, you know, you're at a stage in your life, going back to why you're so curious, um, I already think you're a, you're a, a really successful person, but... Um, you know, you've told yourself a story that you can basically create the life that you want for you, working backwards and and being curious and reading books and and testing assumptions. Um, So I think it, I I, I think it definitely applies more to 10 to 20 years old, but I think it still applies to anyone, you know, even after you're 20. Um, So I would love to um, keep talking about um, what you're doing to Continue on being a good teammate and a good person, and um, I wanna talk about how crazy consistent you are. <laughs> and this is my segue, I wasn't a great segue, but um, you have been working out on Instagram, not on Instagram, you've been working out in actuality, um, but you people get to see it on Instagram, at Cameramonger, for 1,700 and two days or three days?
1: Today two. will be three.
0: Se- all right, cool. So I looked it up. I looked it up before we got on. So just to let everyone know, that's one thousand seven hundred days of working out every single day, and um, and the reason you started it is is so simple, um, but it's something that you've you've just kept to for y- y- literally years now, working out, and I know it's been such an awesome journey for you. I love reading the, the quotes that you put up there and seeing the research that you're doing. I know that everything that you put out there is so well thought out. So can you tell us um, about your Instagram page, about the project that you're doing, um, why you're doing it, if you're ever gonna stop? Just tell us everything.
1: Yeah, sure. No, So um, it, it originally started as just an accountability test. Um, so I kind of realized that i was I was on this training every day deal um but I I think it's a book I'd read um I'm sure right <laughs> uh, and and talking about accountability and you know there's not to 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 bag on these mantras or whatever, right the you know character is who you are when no one's watching cool, but if you're better when someone's watching all the time, then just get someone to watch you all the time. Right. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having accountability there. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So, um, I know that as social creatures, if I tell you, Hey, I'm going to do this, then when it gets close to the end of the day or the deadline or whatever it is, I would rather not let you down than let myself down because we've all let ourselves down hundreds of thousands of times, right? Like we're in our own heads, we know ourselves the best. And that little, those, the devil angel, whatever you want to call it on our shoulders. When you say, Oh, I'm going to do this. That other person's like, ah, I've seen you not do that before, you know, (laughs) but you don't know me as well as I know me. So, I would rather not let someone that thinks I'm a good person down than (laughs) what's going on in my own head. Right. So, so I was testing, leveraging that idea and it seems to be working. Um, (laughs) you know, now it's, now it's a habit, right? So it's not hard, um, for me to be on vacation or for me to be out of town and understand, I don't have equipment with me, so I'm just going to wake up, uh, you know, knock out a bunch of pushups and some body weight movement and some yoga or whatever I think my body needs that day and jump in the shower and go about my day. It's now it's become a habit. And, but the, the deeper side behind it is when I was forced, when I was forcing myself to make posts and things like that and, and to continually think, I think that has accelerated my development as a person, as a coach, as a friend, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, because it is about the journey It is about being present. It is about, you know, what are you battling today? It is about thinking about that stuff. And, and I think that's, you know, huge for anybody, whether they're playing, whether they're not playing, whatever's going on. I think having thought behind what you're doing is, is super valuable and super important um, and something that, that we should be doing. And so now, now it's, Less about the training side, um, and sometimes I'll I'll video whatever workout I was doing, and then I'll get home and be laying in bed, and be like, oh, I forgot the to post today, so the <laughs> posts don't always make it. Um, but the the training hasn't stopped, and and the mm-hmm. idea behind it and um, what what the goal is is ever changing, which is kind of cool too, right? Now that I'm not playing, I'm forced to reevaluate why am i training what are my goals and and all that stuff i've learned by training every single day and and now now that it's up to you know 1700 which seems like so much but you know really it, it happens happened so fast but to have you know 1700 days of just considering what direction you're going you can't not be going in the right direction after that that's pretty cool the
0: obstacle is the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I want to dive a little bit into your mentality because that's, uh, I mean, it is amazing, and I, I, I like that you said that now it's a habit. I want, I, I really want people to understand that. But you know, you're, you're at the beginning of this. We've all had the self, you know, the self talk, and I love the way that you explained that, by the way, because I feel like anytime I'm about to do something hard, if it's inconvenient, I rationalize myself out of it, right? Right. I think everybody does that. They're like, oh, I could go work out right now, but I'm a little sore. I don't I don't want to overtrain. Uh, yeah. I'm doing air quotations right now. Um, you know, and you can just ra- – we're so good at rationalizing ourselves out of things that we know are good or that we need to do. So, um, you know, when that self-talk comes up and it says, hey, Cam, um, you know, you don't really need to do this. You don't really need to eat um, – your your four eggs with spinach uh, this morning. That was your breakfast this morning, I think. <laughs> yep, same thing. Um, you know, what What goes through that? How do you push through that? Because I think that's really hard for everybody. And um, I the accountability is definitely a, an unbelievable tool. And um, I'd like to tell people about how we used to Venmo each other too. And I'd honestly like to start that again. And now we have accountability <laughs> on our podcast. So, yeah. um, but, you know, how what's your self-talk when you're going through that rationalizing in your head and how do you overcome that?
1: Yeah, good question. So typically, you know, like I said, the stuff that's become habits, it's easier to, it's just part of the daily routine or whatever it is. The stuff that is the new idea, the thing that you're working on that you know is what you need to do to get to where you want to be. That is going to be super cool when you start it and super crappy when it, (laughs) when the, the spark of I want to accomplish something new or I want to make varsity or I want to get drafted. uh, That's going to wear off in two weeks. And so there's a couple of things you can do. One again is have an accountability side whether it's a coach, a parent, whatever, someone that you know is going to kick you in the butt when you don't do it. Um, But also just scheduling time to reevaluate your goals. I think uh, goal setting is this thing that everyone wants to talk about, setting the proper goals or how to structure a goal, which there are best practices for goal setting, but it's not a homework assignment like I'm not just gonna set a goal and turn it in and then move on the the goal is there and the structure of the goal is there to motivate you and to keep you going so if you don't when you feel like you're starting to lose that spark or you feel like you get that negative self-talk of I don't really need to go put in the extra work today if you go back and consider what your goal is and why you want to get there and if that doesn't fire you up then maybe it's time to reevaluate and that's fine. Right. Um, one of the mental skills practices that I like to teach early on, um, is creating your ideal character, right? Um, your ideal baseball player, your ideal brother, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, and that is goal setting in itself. Right? So if you want to play like a, you know, Bryce Harper, or you want to, you know, pitch like a Justin Verlander or whatever, that would be a good frame of reference. <laughs> um, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a real person. Um, but if you ask yourself, when you get those tough mental self talk of, do I really need to do this, whatever, if you ask yourself, how would my ideal character respond to this, the answer is right there and it's automatic and it's not hard anymore. Um, I shouldn't say that it's not hard to do the work, but. The clarity is there, right? And I think that's a big, big part of it. Is understanding this is the goal I'm working on. This is why I want to be there, and that is going to fade away as you continue to work. So then it's just this balance of I'm motivated. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. Why am I doing this? This is hard. <laughs> Let me get back <laughs> to why I'm doing it and remind myself very vividly and clearly. Like if if kids that want to be MLB players can visualize stepping on an MLB field for the first time like that that gives you goosebumps right and so being able to continue to connect to that uh end goal that you're working for is a good way to continue to light that spark dude that that is so
0: incredibly helpful I mean number one I did get goosebumps when you said that because that that has to be a trigger for so many people I mean, when I was playing, I, I just I visualized how I would walk out, what the what the ground would feel like. No one ever told me to do that. I was just like, this is this is what's going to happen. How do I get there? It never happened. But we're on a podcast, still talking, so life's still good. Um, but you know, the way that you just broke that down is so helpful. And selfishly, I was just thinking, um, you know, all the all the little um, consolations I've made. In the past couple weeks um, and things do start to get really hard and difficult and then you know do your goals outweigh that difficult thing um, and you know when you're talking about a character I if you could just speak to that a little bit more I think it really helped um, because Justin Verlander is is a great baseball player but you know can you have more than one character? Because we don't know what he's like off the field. We don't know if, I mean, maybe he's, maybe, I don't, I hope, I hope Justin Verlander's listening. Maybe he's lazy and maybe he doesn't do anything. He's just, he's just born with all this talent and he's, he's six, five and, you know, whatever, he throws 101. But, um, you know, what does going, going into building that character look like? Is it the, is it yourself in the future? Um, Or is it someone that's already out there that you can study, or is it multiple people? Like, how do you, how do you personally do it? Not just how do you teach it, but how do you actually do it? Because you do such a good job of it. I want to know, you know, what your your tips and tricks are.
1: Yeah, so um, you know, it's a, it's a process for sure to build your own character. Um, and early on, there there might not be this connection of this is this is me in the future um but that is 100 percent the direction that it's going Mm -hmm. um you know we all have this ideal version of ourselves whether we know that's what it is or not um we have our actual self of who we are like i said you know you've been in your own brain as much as any as anyone else you're the only one that's done that and then we have our perceived self which is how other people see us so Mm -hmm. The farther these three things, these three people get apart, the more stress we have in our lives. And we all know how stress works out, especially on a field not good. Um, But just to kind of hammer home that analogy, if we think about politics, right? Like anytime uh, a politician is trying to convince us this is what they believe, and then something comes out that they did something totally different, that's going to cause them stress because now they're not going to, you know, win their race or whatever it is. So that's kind of a way to think about what's my perceived self, my ideal self and my real self. Um, but when it comes to, to building your character, um, I think it's the things you have to consider are both the physical and I want to say spiritual from a religion side, but just, you know, how your character acts, um, and you can pull from movies, you can pull from other players, you can pull from friends and family, whatever it is. But the more vivid you can be about your character, again, some common themes here with clarity um, and all of that, the, the more you can see that character in real life uh, when you close your eyes or when you lay your head down, um, the easier it is to connect with that. Um, so I'll just kind of dive into to my character real quick um, is based off of Atlas which is the, the from Greek mythology and in the real story Atlas lost a battle and his, his punishment was to hold the world up right um, <laughs> but I changed it for the better of myself um, and talking about being good teammates and things like that I look at I've got this team of you know 25 guys what do I want to spend my time doing if I can put my time energy and effort into making each player half a percent better that's better than me focusing on myself and getting two percent better because Mm -hmm. the team is now going to be better and so this idea of you can picture Atlas holding the world up um, but to, to me, the people I'm around, my, my inner circle, my teammates, uh, my family, that's the world and that's what I'm trying to hold up. So um, when I'm faced with, with tough situations or when I'm faced with negative self-talk or you know, what I should be focusing on, what I should say yes or no to, um, if I ask myself how would Atlas, someone who's trying to continually improve the people they're around, how would they respond to that? the answer is always going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, too, anytime we're working on a visualization piece or uh, something with imagery involved, your goal should be to remove all questions. So I, I skipped over a lot of stuff with how I visualize my character, but ideally, if I were to just talk about Atlas, you're not going to have any more questions for me going to be crystal clear who that character is just like when you go and you watch a movie and you can describe the, the character that the actor has played out because they do such a good job with it
0: yeah Dude, that's that's so important and i i, I literally want to go home and and work on my character tonight because uh, that was such tactical advice that people can start using right now today to get better personally and to get better at baseball. I mean, I, uh, I know you got, I know we have a little bit of limited time now, um, but man, you just, you gave so, so much wisdom and understanding uh, from your experience and your research and your studying to everybody. Um, number one, thank you so much for being on. Um, I want to ask you one more question and then I want everyone um, to, to go follow you at Camera Monger on Instagram. Um, And then I want you to give shout outs to whoever you want. Uh, If you want to give Michael Pear another shout out, we can do that too. (laughs) There it is. Um, But I guess, you know, the last thing I have for you is, um, you know, if you were 16 again, uh, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Yeah,
1: good one. Um, So this is the this is always the, the question, right? And that's what I think as a, as a coach or a former player, that's what we're all trying to do is give back to kids what we wish we knew then. Um, you know, that's, what's easy to be passionate about. So, um, you know, just kind of the underlying themes of how I approach development and coaching and learning and all of that, um, is, you know, I, I would teach, the 16-year-old me to think more, um, mm-hmm. to to ask more questions, and, and to just have a better understanding of where I was going. Um, I knew if I know if I asked, you know, 16-year-old me what I wanted, that that was super clear. I just wanted to play baseball. Yeah. Um, but why I wanted to do that, what I wanted to get out of that experience, um, and I, I think it's pretty common for. 16 year old kids, especially to not want to look dumb. Um, and that's why I always say, you know, I would want my younger self to just ask more questions. I never wanted to look like I didn't know what I was doing, but turns out you still don't know what you're doing, even if you don't ask the question (laughs) and then you still don't know the answer because you haven't asked the question. So, um, so yeah, so, so any kind of, of self-development, any kind of clarity around you know where i was going and then to really just lean on good coaches and lean on good influences and good people nice man super important
0: awesome well uh once again i just want to thank you because that i learned so much i mean like we we talk all the time and every time we talk i still learn a ton and i'm super interested um you know in all the things that you're up to um if you could tell people uh i know you're working for Warstick right now. Um, so if you wanna talk about WarStick for a little bit, whatever you guys are up to, do that. Talk about your batting cage. Anyone in the Dallas area, I want you to go see Cam. Go talk to him, like he is super accessible. You can you can DM him, you can go visit him in person and you can just learn so, so much. Um, so uh, yeah, give us give us some plugs. I want everyone to, to go follow you and, and keep learning from you.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, thanks for For making this happen um you know without you building plate crate and and making this as successful as it is we don't get to have this conversation and i don't get to (laughs) connect with your audience um which is just super cool um and and you know kind of my thought process of the underlying tone of of a message today was to just try things right to to ask questions test things out figure out if it works figure out if it doesn't Ask why all these things, um, and it does tie in a little bit to what you're doing, right? Like you're sending out these curated boxes with these things that I've never seen before, and I get to try uh, the goofy squish, the the curveball, <laughs> throwing these these guys at the kids <laughs> all, all week. Um, Those are so much since fun I, yeah. since I got some, and and you know that that is what it's about is having fun, and being curious and wanting to, I want kids to want to come in here because they have fun with me. Right. Um, and, and not only that, if you're having fun, you're going to pay attention and then you're going to learn. And then I feel good because i taught you something. Right. Ultimately that's what, what we're trying to do. But, um, but yeah, I'm also the, the senior fitting master over at war stick, pretty cool sounding title, but you know, basically um, I work with all of our MLB guys Um when they need help with adjusting bat models and things like that. But I, I more so focus on the youth side of helping kids and parents know that their kid has the right size bat um, to, to go into competition with. Um, but really, you know, the plug for Warstick is just to go to the website and check out the blog. <laughs> and read about what the company is about because it, again it's more than baseball it's about teaching mindset it's about developing in the game and outside the game um, which which makes it a, a awesome uh, I guess job for me um, is doing that and then we've got the facility here in Arlington where um, we're renovating but we're still you know coaching and plugging away and and you know it's really just my lifelong, Passion and mission and goal to to just positively impact as many people as we can. Um, the the Jackie Robinson quote is what sticks with me um, all the time, uh, and it, it goes, A "Life is not important except for the impact it has on other lives." Um, so, you know, why do I keep reading? Why do I keep training? Why do I keep asking questions? Because I keep learning new things all the time, and it's super fun and exciting for me to learn something new and then teach all my kids or friends or family that new thing. So now I got to go learn something else. And then hopefully every now and again, you know, I get those messages, man, this really helped me out today. Uh, You know, Hey, that was what I needed to hear. Hey, you know, I didn't know that. Thanks for teaching me that, you know, and that's, that's where, that's what fills my cup. So absolutely come see me. If you can, if you're in the DFW area, if you're not, I love messaging on Instagram. Um, I'm at Cameron Monger on every social media platform pretty much, but, um, especially on Instagram, I, we still, uh, Josh and I did a, what's in my bag video two or three years ago, um, that I still get messages from probably a couple of times a year that say, Hey, I saw you did this thing with plate crate. What are you doing now? Um, and, and to me, that's, that's super cool. So um, if you get to listen, you got questions about, you know, we got deep, but not all the way in there on, on some <laughs> mental skills training stuff, um, but I could talk about this stuff all day. So anyone that wants to talk, you just got to buy me a cold brew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we didn't even get into oh, coffee. Uh, so I'll have, to, I'll have to have you back on so we can get into coffee. We can get into other stuff. Um, cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. Um, we're going to talk soon. And, uh, like I said, I want everyone to go follow cam and just see what he's up to and just really take his advice to heart. It's such great advice. And he, he knows what he's talking about and he's just a constant, um, you know, constantly curious and constantly learning things. So once again, thanks for being on. Uh, this is a blast. We'll have to do it again. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Woo.